In Scotland, when friends get together, they blether. When these three friends happen to be Scottish Blue Badge tourist guides, you can be sure that the country that they're so passionate about will be right at the heart of their discussions, be it contemporary or historical, culinary or cultural, reminiscence or anecdote. From accommodation to zoos, the chat will range right across the entire alphabet of topics and issues that are live and happening in Scotland right now. We hope that you'll join us. There's nothing to beat a recht good blether. And you could also join in our blethers on social media. You can find us as at Scottish Blethers on both Facebook and Instagram. We post additional content during the week that supports the podcast episode. We love making the podcasts and would love it if you could share them with your friends and leave a review on the platform of your choice. Hello and welcome to episode 73 of Scottish Blethers. I'm Liz Lister. And I'm Helen Houston. And we're getting out and about again, Helen, beginning to come out of hibernation. Oh, um, yes. And the theme that we've taken this week is about our high streets, because it's a, one of the things that we've missed during the pandemic is getting out and going shopping. And I think as you go back to it, you're really hit by the fact that our our high streets have changed so much. Yeah, and it's not just in the last sort of two two years with the pandemic, but it's it's been a sort of a gradual but very, very clear change over the past, what would it be, about sort of 15, 20 years, Liz? Yeah, they've certainly evolved and changed and we're old enough to have known them over many decades. <laughs> so we thought that we would just go back and have a look at how the high street has evolved and start off by why does it get called high street? Well, first of all, there's a distinction because High Street tends to be in your towns or cities, whereas if it's just a village, it tends to be Main Street. I think you would agree with that, would you, Helen? Well, that's right. And and, and as you know, Liz, I live on Main Street in our village. Yep. But High Street didn't get the name High because it was higher. It was up the hill. It got the name because it had higher status. So if you think about it going back in time, there wouldn't have been shops as we know them today it would have been a market. So people would have brought their goods or their services, peddlers would have brought their services and they would have put them up for, for sale. And if it was a trading centre called a borough, then there would be a market cross and people would gather round about that market or market cross. Yes, and another another thing I read about the, the naming of the high street, and this is particularly pertains to Glasgow, Liz, that the high street in Glasgow, you had the settlement, the religious settlement up at the top of the hill, and you had the, the market cross and the marketplace down at the bottom of the hill by the river. And I read somewhere that this was the high street because people were moving up to a, walking up it to the higher place, to the religious settlement, to the cathedral. So that's another sort of interpretation of the word high street. And of course, there would have been no fixed prices when people brought their best sow or their best calf. Then it would all have been about bartering or haggling. And if you think about Edinburgh, 
the Merkit Cross at Edinburgh is right on the centre of the Royal Mile, the high street of Edinburgh. But they tried to bring the cellars inside and they built what's now the city chambers of the city. But of course, they didn't like it. They wanted to be outside with their public selling their goods. Yes, and the other the other reason, of course, Liz, was that they wanted to see what their rivals, what their competitors were doing. So they were on the ball. Oh, he's brought it down. Oh, I'm putting it down just a bit below that. So inside their own little private shops, they couldn't do that. Yeah, a bit like the bookie stalls at the racing <laughs> these days. They all want to know what the price is on this, that. But of course, with urbanisation in the middle of the 19th century, you started to get industry and you started to get... To manufacturing and there was a wider range of goods to sell and that's when the high street really began to come into its own because then you began to get the shops in a fixed location and then you began to get the plate glass windows so that the vendors could show off what they were selling. Yeah, and I'm just thinking that these plate glass windows gave rise to another kind of profession, the window dresser and it didn't really, almost it didn't matter what was inside the shop. If the window dresser did a very, very good job in the, the side of the plate glass window, then it brought people in. And once they were in, they felt obliged to buy. Yeah, and of course, it also was window shopping. Yes. Because we still do that today, and especially at Christmas time, if you go to the big cities, the windows are there are fantastic. And you some in some villages, you get competitions where they they um, hold competitions for how they dress their windows. Yes, I always remember growing up, a, a shop that has disappeared is C and C and A's, and I always thought they had the most fantastic window dressers. Their window displays were fabulous. You're probably in a par with maybe Harvey Nicks, Harvey Nichols today, but the shops were not on a par. If you like, C&A's and Harvey Nichols were quite different you know, ends of the spectrum. <laughs> Absolutely. But we're old enough to remember when a high street really was a high street. So your high street was your different types of goods. So you had the bakers, the butchers, the green grocers. But of course, paramount amongst these was the grocers. And when we talk about a grocer's, it's quite different from the our, our, our listeners in the States where they would talk about a grocery store. And that's really another name for a supermarket. But our grocer's evolved out of a purveyor, a seller, a vendor. And they were dealing largely in dry goods, things like spices and peppers, and then later on tea and coffee, sugar. So that was where the word grocer originated from. Yeah, and you know, even again looking back, there are so so many names, Liz, that we can that we can pick up from there. You know, I think I think the one that uh, the American listeners will recognise is Lipton's. Of course, of course, Tommy Lipton. He was the one that really was credited with bringing in um, the the idea of supermarkets, chain stores. And this idea had been started across in Memphis by Clarence Saunders, who was an inventor and an entrepreneur. And he had brought in Piggly Wiggly, which was the first self-service <laughs> grocery store. But the big name in Scotland was Tommy Lipton, Sir Thomas Lipton. And he lived in Victorian times. And he was born in Scotland, the son of Ulster and Scots parentage. And he lived in the Gorbals of Glasgow, which is one of the most deprived areas of Glasgow, where a lot of the Irish immigrants came into. Yeah, and it's interesting because his parents' shop was in Crown Street in the Gorbals and my son's first flat was 
Crown Street in Glasgow in the Gorbals, the re big new regeneration of the Gorbals. So not only the changing street of the high street, but the changing street of the streets that these shops were in. Yep, and just like Charles Rennie McIntosh that we talked about last week, he was into self-education. His parents owned a, a shop on Crown Street and they sold ham and butter and eggs. But he was destined for greater things and he enrolled at a night school, the Gorbals Youth School. And then when he was just a young lad, he signed up as a cabin boy on a steamer between Glasgow and Belfast. And you can just imagine it going backwards and forwards, all the stories that the sailors told. And of course, many of them had been out to this new world, to the United States on, on, on ships. And so they told these wonderful stories and he saved up all his wages and he went to work for five years across there in the States. Yeah, I suppose that what he was doing was effectively taking a gap year or a gap five years, you know, travelling the world and doing some work on the way. But the work was work that he would then bring back and all the learning he did out there, bring back a lot of these new ideas when he came, when he returned back to Glasgow and, you know, opened up his first shop and in the Anderson area of Glasgow. Yeah, he'd worked, he'd worked on a tobacco plantation and a rice plantation, but his big break was when he went to work for another immigrant, another Irish-Scots immigrant, but this time in New York, Alexander Turney Stewart. And what he was doing was introducing an entirely new way of shopping. His idea was you buy in bulk so that you've got high volume, but low markup, so you sell cheap buy in bulk. This was, of course, revolutionary. So this is what Tommy introduced when he returned to the Anderson area of Glasgow. Yes, and he also, I just think he had a huge brain and innovative brain when it came to marketing. I always loved the story of how he would import his pigs from Ireland and he would put banners on them as he marched them up through the through from the docks up to, through Glasgow saying, come to Lipton's for your fresh ham and bacon. And this was on the hoof marching up to the shop. Yeah, and another idea was to have the world's biggest cheese and they rolled it through the street. And of course, people would gather and shout and look up and then they couldn't get it through the first of his stores. So they had to take it to the next one. They put it in the window. But even more than that, he'd hidden gold sovereigns inside it. So as they sliced it up and gave it to the people, they were all looking for the gold sovereign inside it. So he was he was becoming a brand. His name was a brand even before the likes of Elon Musk and Richard Branson. Yeah, it's kind of oh, you know, like the early days of the scratch cards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you buy it, you don't know what you're getting, but if you get a, if you get a line, that's great. But yes, he really cut out the middleman, and of course, he he decided that he loved with his time at the cabin boy, he loved sailing, and he was probably not the world's most successful sailor, but he was a very well known sailor. Yeah, he kept on losing. <laughs> yes, I he kept on buying the yachts. And of course, again, his name became associated with the America's Cup. And so his name became well known in America. And if you think of Tommy Lipton today, if Americans are listening, you think of tea, because that's where he really made his fortune. He was bringing in tea directly from his own plantations in Salon, cutting out the middleman. And by now, tea was accessible to all classes. And so he made a fortune. And still to this day, if I'm over in the States, I love to see the yellow Lipton tea box. 
Yes, it, it's it's really interesting because we don't see it quite so much here in this country, do we nowadays? But it's it certainly, as I remember in the States, if you wanted an iced tea, sometimes it would just be a can of Lipton's that you were given if it was a, a quick place. Yeah, that's a whole other episode, Helen, how to, how to make a cup of tea. <laughs> yes, that's what we could do. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so Tommy Lipton was the, the sort of first of what would become known as chains of, glo- of, of grocers, the sort of open all hours. If anybody's ever watched um, the two Ronnies in open all hours, you know, four candles or fork candles, you know, that's the sort of grocers that we're talking about that he established. Yeah, just the behind the counter, the, the grocer who stood behind the counter and you went up and asked and the, it was the grocer that then went to fetch it from the shelves for you. Yeah, I mean, can you remember back to your childhood? I remember starting off in Inverness where you don't go out to get the groceries, you go for your messages. So I would go down with my mum, she'd have the big silver cross pram and in Inverness we had to go down a very steep hill to get down to the the town for the messages. And I'll tell you something else, on the corner, Helen, when I walked down the hill every day, there was an orphanage and it was called an orphanage and you'd see the little kids with their faces through the bars on the walls and oh it was so disturbing I can remember it so vividly now. Yeah I know and you know the walking for the messages Liz was was just that was common practice and my mother always carried a basket because she went up every day for the messages for the shopping that was required for feeding the family that day it wasn't sort of for the week it was for that day so went round the shops, the butcher, the baker, the the dairy, you know, all of these places to get the messages. And then when you went into the grocers, as you say, it was behind the counter. In all of these cases, it was the person that was the important thing. So you didn't call it the bakery. It was the bakers and it was the Mr or Mrs who was in the bakery or in the butchers. It was the, the name of it and none more so than the grocer. And he would rule roost and he would slice your meat on the bacon slicer or roast your coffee for you. The tea was in big tins and then along the back you had a kind of pick and mix where you had a scoop to take all the dry ingredients and put them into a paper bag or a poke that you you took your goods away in and if it was a piece of meat it was in that brown greaseproof paper and you tie it up with a piece of string. Yes, oh, the, the butcher's paper was very much a, a, a specialist paper that they used. And going to the butcher's, you know, we're talking about the grocery, but even going to the butcher's, we were always told that you go in and you ask for a pound of steak and you watch as the butcher minces that pound of steak and puts it into the paper and gives it to you. You do not buy the minces in the window because that's for cats. <laughs> I never thought of that, but it's very true. I still think that today. I like to go to the fishmongers in the morning before it's been lying out all day and at least we've been dried up at the corners. (laughs) And of course, in Scotland, if you went to the fishmonger, it was always haddock and it had to be line caught, definitely not cod, because my granny said cod was for cats. (laughs) These cats are well fed with all this fish that your granny's given them. But you, you won't have been in stores that had this, Helen, but there was always a sign that was up which said, please don't ask for credit as a refusal often offends. Right? So in in the poorer areas and um, where many of these chains of, of grocers started, there were uh, they would offer credit till the person got paid. It was called tick. You know, so you get something on tick until you get your wages at the end of the week. 
Yes, and no, no, Liz, you're absolutely right. We didn't. Sometimes in the department stores, though, my mother would bring things home on approval, which meant that she brought them back home. We tried them on, and the if we approved of them, we kept them, and then the bill would come in, or on approval, they would be taken back the next day, just returned to the shop. Again, all these things have changed. That these 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 procedures, these protocols that went on, they just don't exist now. And of course, you've just reminded me that in those days, the catalogue was the big thing. You know, that you got your big, thick catalogue came in and you went through it, particularly at Christmas time, all the kids looking for what toys do they want from Santa. And uh, then you could get it on tick with that because you were paying it up when you bought it through the catalogue. Paying it up over the year, that's right. Yes, and and I think Littlewoods was one of the big catalogues, wasn't it, at that time? It was, and that brings us into the next thing that I remember, which is if you went to the cities, the big thing was department stores. So we had we had lots of department stores that have disappeared from our high street bit by bit. Yes, and many of these department stores in, in the towns were, were, as you say, they were privately owned. And growing up in Stirling, the big one in Stirling was McLaughlin Browns. That that was a big department store that, that sold you know, clothing things like that. And another department store there was Mingus's. And, you know, it was quite a, a long, narrow shop, Mingus's. And the manager who was, was it Mr. Farker Sterling or Sterling Farker? I can't think it was Sterling Farker, would always be there walking, you know, on the shop floor. But each person, each counter had a kind of a manager and they were always known by their by their surnames. So in the linen department, which was downstairs, it was Mr. Clark who was responsible for the linen department. In the lingerie, it's funny, I remember this, it was Miss Barnes <laughs> who was responsible there. You know, it was just, there was all these people who, their names were important as and as important as the shop itself. And for our younger listeners who are understanding a word of what we're talking about, if you've ever seen Are You Being Served with the Grace Brothers being the department store there and Mrs Slocum and, and, and all the rest of it, that's what we're talking about. But these, this was the, the department store was the, the store which had so many departments. I mean, Draffins of Dundee had 54 departments. And if you think about it, they were all kind of, they followed a format. So as you walked in, you were always hit by the beautiful scent of the perfume department, perfumery and cosmetics department. It was always on the ground floor. And another thing that they always had was a hairdressing salon. And when I was um, at school, my Saturday job was working in in the hairdresser salon in Bishops in Falkirk. Um, So shampooing heads. And, you know, I can remember that the greatest disgrace in those days if you found that anybody had little white knits or eggs on their hair, the person, you had to go and tell the supervisor and immediately that person was asked to leave. They put a, a towel around their wet hair and asked them to leave the hairdressers. Imagine the disgrace of having to walk through the department store with your head in a towel. In a towel. But also, I think at that time too, we were getting a wee bit used to it now that you know, you go into a restaurant with during COVID times, when you leave the table, they immediately come and spray everything with disinfectant and wipe it all down. Well, in the hairdressers, they'd be doing that all around the place. And talking about hairdressers, Liz, you would have had to do this. You remember they used to have a like a, a tray of disinfectant. And before they came to you, they dipped their comb in the disinfectant to show you that you you were getting a clean comb or a disinfected comb. 
Yeah, that was before the days of autoclaves where they steamed them clean. Now it was a sort of glass thing with pink disinfectant in it that they used to stick them into. Yeah, yep. But talking of Draffins, Liz, I can't, I think it was Draffins and Dundee in the restaurant because a lot of these department stores had beautiful restaurants, but they used to do a mannequin parade around the tables uh, when you were having lunch, sort of showing the type of, of clothing or clothes that you could buy in the store. And that was a favourite of the ladies when they went out for lunch to just have their lunch and watch these mannequins. And they were very professional, walking round with the beautiful clothes on. Helen, you have lived such a different life from the life <laughs> I've lived. I'm much more familiar with the best of them all, Woolies or Woolworths, probably the biggest loss in recent years from our high street. Because Woolies, when you talk about department stores, Woolies sold it all. You know, things that shouldn't have gone side by side were there. You know, your stationery kit for school next to your perfumes for Christmas. It was all there. But amongst them all, the pick and mix. Do you remember the pick and mix? Oh, yes. Woolies was great. The tr trouble with pick and mix, Liz, that I found that my eyes were always much bigger than the than the scales. So when you you, you put on and you got you took your pick and mix to the scales, you realised you'd got an awful lot and you did not have the money in your pocket to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, I heard Woolies described recently as Poundland with a lot more ambition. It was it was Saturdays going in to buy your CDs and talking about that when you went. I was Falkirk by the when I was at school. So a Saturday morning going to your your high street to spend your money that you'd made in your Saturday job. Remember the shops? I mean, for me, Chelsea girl. Chelsea Girl was there, you know, jumpers were a pound, you know, you could buy a new one every week. The Polonex were the item of choice at that time. Smocks, oh, Chelsea Girl, little desert boots, that was the place to spend your money. Yeah, well, of course, Sterling didn't have shops like that. Oh, Sterling, wow. Sterling had <laughs> You didn't frequent them, but it had them. <laughs> and, but, you know, it was, it was, we used to go to the music shop on on Saturdays and these was when you were going to think you had money you were going, maybe going to buy a, a a record and um you would go to the music shop and you would just would spend hours just in these like kind of telephone booths but there was just that took encompassed your head so you stood in the wall with and asked them to play a record and it came through headphones into your little booth and it was it was great fun you would annoy them by about two or three of us lining up and standing there for about an hour asking for different records. Yeah, we were the same. But for us in Falkirk, it was Brian Finley's and it was the, the epitome of, of sophistication to go and get into your little booth. I remember the first record I ever bought was Teaser and the Firecat by Cat Stevens. I can remember listening yes. to it in my little booth. Yes. <laughs> well, it, you it was it was it was fantastic, and I think before that, in the in certainly in Hayes, the music shop, they sold pianos as well, and they would have a pianist there, and the pianist would be playing the pianos, so that anybody going in to buy a piano could could listen to the sound of the of each of the pianos, and they had some wonderful musicians in there playing music. Of course, that's how Jimmy Shand um, came to the fore because he went in and played the piano in the, his local shop in Dundee and the man took him on as a travelling salesman and, of course, he could play the accordion as well. And before you know it, Jimmy Shand has more compositions to his name than Elvis and the Beatles put together. That's incredible, isn't it? And he never smiles yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not smiling no, not now. now. He's six feet under. <laughs> he might be, Liz. We don't know. <laughs> 
We don't know. And once you've bought your fashion in Chelsea Girl or ETAM, CNA that you mentioned, then you've got to get your fine footwear. So we had Saxons, Dolces, Freeman Hardy and Willis, but Timpsons, that's uh, that is to me, I hold this up as the brand that has survived it all. And why has it survived it all? Because of good business practices. John Timpson is still the CEO, still the Timpson family. But in my day, it wasn't so much the shoes. After Chelsea Girl, it was right next door. I went in there and I bought my pale face tights. Oh, yes. Forgot to. Oh, you see, of course, when I was growing up, Liz, tights were just coming into fashion. It was stockings and suspender belts. (laughs) (laughs) That's an image we want to move on from quickly, (laughs) Helen. Sorry. And when when my friends and I, we always met on a Saturday afternoon in Stirling, met at the post office and we'd meet. And it was always phone calls going round in the morning beforehand to see whether or not we were wearing these newfangled tights or whether we were wearing stockings. Because, of course, wearing trousers just did not come into the fashion statement of of those days. Oh, yeah, that's true. No, I remember that it must have been maybe my 12th or 13th birthday because I was at the new high school and everybody was wearing tights and I was still in my socks. And so I got somebody for my birthday to give me a suspender belt and a pair of stockings oh. and just so, that I, so that I could progress. But yeah. I, I don't think I, I wore stockings and suspenders for very long. It was no, into the no. tights. Into tights. Once, once, once they were discovered, that was it. Yeah. But just thinking about other shops that are disappearing from our high streets, travel agents. Remember when you always went to book your summer holidays with your parents, you went into the travel agent. Yes, and and in Sterling it was it was Preston's. It was a very, you know, individual private company. Preston's long since disappeared now. But yes, whereas now it's just online, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, for a while there were some that there are still some on the high street um, yet, particularly in the cities. But Thomas Cook is the long lasting one. That was the first one that started package tours right back in Victorian times. They were on the high street alongside Lund Polly and local ones, as you say. Yeah, and it was interesting because talking of travel agents, my uncle, when he retired, he must have retired in the early 60s. He maybe sort of you know sorry sorry but mid mid to late sixties he retired and he had a dream he'd worked hard all his life that he would take his wife a world tour and this was before you could just find a package that was a world tour so he had great fun going into the local travel agent and you know, saying oh and could you include this oh and could you include this and most of the things he was including there was a reason. And one of the reasons was he just got a television and he was watching some of these American cops and robbers and the big, the big car chases down the hills in this San Francisco. He, he wanted to include San Francisco to have a car chase down the hills and across the Golden Gate Bridge. So, and that's when travel agents could change things to suit what you wanted. Yeah, and while he owned his television, most people would have rented. And so you had rediffusion where you could rent your television and all the other electrical stores like Dixon's and Comet that have gone now, they've amalgamated, they've moved on, everything is evolving. And I don't know if you were into it, Helen, but on a Saturday, Friday and Saturday night, you didn't get your Netflix or your Prime. You had Blockbuster where you went in and you got your video. You you walked along all the, the different aisles, looking at the back of each of the cases, reading it to see what it was about. And then, of course, the big decision was Betamax or VHS. 
we were one of the Betamax. Betamax was definitely the way to go, but VHS was the one that won out. It did, and I think Betamax was was the much better record with the machines. But no, you're right. We didn't actually have a a video recorder growing up. I don't know when I first got a, a video recorder, but it was a VHS one, not a not a Betamax. Yeah, that was later. That was after married life. Yes. And all of this shopping would, would tire you out. You'd need to go for a little refreshment. And of course, then it was quite different on the high street. It would be little cafes local to the era or wimpy bars. Remember the wimpy? Oh, yes, yes, yes. They, they were, they were, I think I only went into them very, very seldom because we had some really nice little shop, coffee shops in Stirling, things like the pantry or the buttery. Or even even McLaughlin and Browns we'd go up to, but I tell you, I, I can't remember exactly what it was. But when we, my friends and I met, Russian tea was the the drink of the day. That you go in and you'd order a Russian tea, which I think was just tea with lemon. I've never even heard of. No, it. But it came it came in a glass, you know, a tall glass, and the glass sat in a kind of a like a silver or chrome. Holder, a bit like you would get for punch nowadays because you couldn't hold the hot glass. So you had this sort of holder with a handle and the glass inside, and it was Russian tea, tea with lemon. No, mine was a Coke float in the Wimpy. Um, but there were a lot of nice little cafes as well. But it's this is an example of how um, the high streets evolved. Wimpy bars were everywhere, mm-hmm. and now it's Burger King. So Burger King has sort of taken over, although there are still 67 Wimpy in, in Britain. Um, it's just unusual to see them now, but I actually prefer the Wimpy to um, Burger King. Yes, you the and I see we've got a new Burger King in Dunfermline now, so they, they're they're still expanding. But you know the other thing, just walking through the high street, I was just thinking that you know as I say, I met my friends on a Saturday. We walked through Stirling before the supermarket, before the shopping centre came in, and you'd come across things which were all known names in Stirling, and the the families were still in Stirling when I was growing up. D and J McEwen's, the grocer, beautiful corner site, and the smell of ground coffee was just fabulous as you got it and you went into this big emporium with hams and sausages and all sorts just hanging it was just what you would imagine graham and morton's they were furniture shop and you know, the morton family the McEwen family were all still families in sterling palmers were the sports again the palmer brothers were standing behind the counters in the shop with knowledge of all sports rr henderson's the outfitters which still exist there but miss mccall sort of you know, lording it over and being very much in command of the children's department. Yeah, you're just bringing back memories to me because we bought our second home from the son of Morton's in Stirling. They had a young family were selling up and moving on. We bought our second home from them. So yes, local families and local specialist shops. Again, going back to Falkirk, it was the Gilded Cage. That was where you went to buy Christmas presents or birthday presents, the, the little thing that was extra special and different in Dunfermline. I don't know if you remember Pink String and Sealing Wax. Oh, I love that shop. I love pink sting and ceiling wax. It had everything in there, didn't it? It was just like a little Aladdin's cave going around. But the quality was good. Everything they had was good quality. Yeah, and many local jewellery shops. But then, of course, they evolved into the chains as well, which we still have on the high street. But the one that was spectacular in its decline, do you remember? Oh, yes. Ratner's? Yes. 
Yeah, the, the chief executive of Ratner's, Gerald Ratner, he made a, a speech where he described the goods that they were selling in the shop as total yes. crap. And as a result of that, in the next week, the the um, the company plummeted yes. by about five hundred million pounds. So um, it was a, a spectacular it decline. Was. And you talk you, you did for Ratner's or anything. There was one jeweler shop on the, on in Stirling called Hepting and Farrers, and that was a beautiful jeweler shop. And, you know, it was and now I think I think my mother would be turning in her grave if she could see it, because it's now one of these is a Ramsden, which is part of a chain and they buy and sell gold. Well, oh, if you had to buy and buy, if you had to sell your gold, you would certainly not be going into Hepting and Farrers. That's that's true. No, it's it's changed so much and nothing more so than the last two years and the effect of the pandemic. You know, it struck me before Christmas because every year at Christmas in the stockings, one of the traditions for us is chocolate gingers made by Thorntons. And I went to get them this year, totally oblivious to the fact that they were another giant that had gone under. So no more Thornton's chocolates, gingers, the Disney store is gone, Mother Care, Jaeger, Antler, all of these are brands that we've lost this year. And that really has been the the you know the changing face of the high street. This growth of online giants, you know, a lot of the shops that have been closing down have been bought over by Boohoo and ASOS. So complete change in our shopping habits. But you know Liz, I'm not sure if it is a complete change because you going let's go back in time you know before your time Liz you know, my mother used to phone up every Friday to Miss Wilson at Massey's the grocers to give in her order for the week and Miss Wilson would have last week's order to hand and that would be like our if you go online grocery shopping that would be like your favorites so she would go through last week's order list and just confirm that that was what was wanted this week and then any additions and then that would all be then put out for delivery. So online delivery, going right back to about the 1950s. What goes around comes around, eh? So that's online shopping has taken over. But I have to say that down at my daughter's, my daughter lives down in London and it's South London in an area that's become very gentrified as she's lived there. And when you that go sounds out, very good, Liz. It's become gentrified <laughs> as Jenny's I'm lived sure. there. <laughs> I have aspirations. I know you, Ella, you've taught me well. Anyway, I've passed it on to her. And when, when you walk along, um, it's gone back to the grocers and the wine store and the delicatessen. And so it has gone back to much of what I remember as a high street. And people are so interested in the origins of their food now and ethics and that. So maybe the high street isn't lost completely. No, and uh, I I have great hopes and optimism that that's exactly what that will happen, that it will become the small independence. But especially when it comes to food produce, it will be locally produced and we will know who it is. We, we're getting the beginnings of that through farmers markets, through farm shops that are opening up. I went out to the Buffalo Farm uh, just out the road, Liz, uh, yesterday for lunch. Absolutely lovely and a really delightful farm shop there. And so that's coming. Yeah, we need the shopping experience. You know, it was such a highlight of the week, a Saturday morning to go shopping. And I think that um, I think that the online providers are recognising that because even Amazon is reportedly going to be opening 260 supermarkets across the UK because you need to, to have that experience, the touch, the feel, the excitement. So you've got the convenience of shopping online, but it doesn't quite live up to the actuality of just being there. 
Yes, and I think that that has been recognised. I think that these big, big shopping centres, such as the one in Glasgow, what's it called? But the one that's just op- opened up in Edinburgh, the St James's Court, the St James's Centre, that is just fantastic. That is an experience. And it's shops, it's tea rooms, it's it's lovely. So it's not going out shopping to buy it's to go out shopping to have a, an experience, enjoyment, almost like a an attraction. And then if something catches your eye, you buy it. Well, not in that place you don't. Have you seen the prices in the new St James's Centre? However, that brings to mind word of the week, because one experience that we haven't talked about is the co-op. Oh, yes. Now, the co-op is still going strong in the food market area and in funerals, surprisingly enough. That's the other area yes. that they specialise in. But at one time, the cooperatives had department stores. We've talked about it before, going to get our blazers, the pneumatic things that took the, the money away up to the accounts department. But the cooperative was a, a tradition that started in the north of England where the customers were stakeholders. They bulk bought and the, the goods and so it was sold cheaper and that they got a share of the profits and the profits were called the dividends. So the word of the week for me is divvy because each, I think I don't know if it was annual or if it was quarterly or whatever, but you got your divvy. And so when you went to shop at the co-op, you had a dividend number. Now, I'm not old enough that I can remember mine, but my husband can still rhyme off his divvy number. So you gave your co-op number and then your divvy was calculated and you got it back as your share of the profits. Yeah, and, and that still goes on today, Liz. If you buy yes. at the co-op, you, you, they ask if you've got a number or a card, which has kind of evolved into a card. Well, my word of the week, I talked about my mother phoning in her shopping and that, you know, early days or the precursor to online shopping, online grocery shopping. And she would phone in her order and Miss Wilson would take it off the shelves, gather it off the shelves, put it into a basket, a big a big wicker basket, and put it on the bike. The message boy would then deliver it to the house. And these bikes were, they, the, the push bikes had a great big metal frame in the front of them in which they put the the wicker basket and the message boy would cycle out the road to the house and come into the kitchen and put the messages on the kitchen table just like you're on online shopping today so message boy is my word of the week the message boy well that brings to mind onion johnny because i can remember the onion johnny going round on his bike with the onions a string of onions round his neck so it's all bringing back these memories, many more episodes that we could get. We haven't even touched nope. places like Jenner's. Yeah, so so much that we could still talk about. Another episode to come, I think. Yes, definitely. Well, Liz, that's, that's been lovely going down memory lane and you know, visions of tights and stockings and shops and yeah. record booths. So <laughs> I think thank in your you case, very much. I think, I think in your case, Ellen, <laughs> it's Memory Boulevard. <laughs> Of course, Liz, of course. Bye for now. (laughs) Bye for now. And there we have it, the end of another episode of Scottish Blethers. If you'd like to join us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as at Scottish Blethers. And if you'd like to leave a review, please do so on your podcast platform of choice. It's cheery bye from me. Ta-ta the new from me. And if I don't see you through the week, I'll see you through the windy from me. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye.